the viewpoint on SAFM. Mahlatini and the Mahotela Queens, I'm in love with the Rastaman. Where were you during those days? I don't know where that song takes you back, but it certainly does take me back to an era that, well, resembles much of load shedding. Only government of Siskai days, late 1980s, when I started to get a sense as to what my surroundings were, where I was, and what it was in this world I wanted. Back 1988, 89, 90 even, I wanted to be a soldier. Well, a lot has changed since then. 2012 is the time. <clears throat> My voice is betraying the activity that was going on during the time that the song was playing. Good evening, everybody. Song is on my bed. The 2012 here on SAFM Viewpoint. It's Monday, the day before Valentine's Day. It is the 13th of Feb. This evening, a review of Sona. Much slower, pointed arguments around what we make of President Ramaphosa's speech and certainly what there is to anticipate in advance of the debate by the political parties starting tomorrow before the President offers his reply on Thursday. And all of this is a week in advance of the budget speech that we anticipate for next week. And this evening, my guest to take us through SONA is none other than Ms. Vuisa Ramakhoba, Rise Mzanzi National Campaign Team Leader. If you want to participate, please do 86 2032 That's the number to dial. If you want to participate on voice note, please do so, 0614-104-107. And when I say WhatsApp, I mean voice note as well as text. Ms. Ramakhoba, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. We've not met before. And in the five minutes we've known each other, I think this is going to be a great show. Hi, Sangeza. Thank you for inviting me to your show. And thank you and good evening to all your listeners. Forget the theatrics of the day. Let's look at the content of the president. Let's look at how the nation has received it, how the media has covered it. How were you feeling before the address? How were you feeling during the address? And after he said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and he sat down, how did you feel post-Sona? I mean, compare how you felt going during and after this particular speech to how you would have felt Around about this time, five years ago, <laughs> Feb 2018, when he made his maiden Sona speech, mm-hmm. take us through the legacy that has been so far Ramaphosa around State of the Nation addresses. Sure, Song. So I think an important place to start is, is the question you asked about what was the feeling or the expectations prior to Sona? And like many in our country, I think we're all very alive to the fact that South Africa is in a state of crisis at this point in time. This is not a crisis that has arisen in the last 12 months. It is a crisis that has been slowly brewing, um, I'd say, over the last decade, if not more. And certainly from where we were sitting, the expectation was that there would be an, an urgency and a sense of an acknowledgement of the extent of the crisis that we now find ourselves in mm. and a tangible plan backed by, you know, um, data, backed by financial plans um, and also backed by the credibility of leadership to be able to implement those plans. And we made our expectations quite clear beforehand. Yeah. So, I mean, Obviously, the big topic was, of course, the energy crisis. And we can get into some of the, the, the details around this year's SONA. But 
But I think before we even get there, what we needed to have heard mm. was a credible plan by the president about how we plan to address the current state of crisis. And if we cast our minds back to five years ago, yeah. you know, the message at the time was very much about this new start, this new dawn, this sense of we're all in this together and we're going to move this ship forward. Five years later, we are still being sold messages of hope, resilience, um, and, and, and dreams that are yet to come to fruition. Uh, and what we, are exp what we would have preferred to see was a detailed report back on what progress has actually been made. And not, not what progress has started, what has actually been delivered. And unfortunately, um, you know, that is not the case. And unfortunately, even as we sit today, I think we echo the sentiments of many South Africans that the SONA has left us probably with more questions than answers. And instead of a sense of hope and resilience, it has become quite evident that um, we are in a, in a, in a slow uh, road to nowhere and something critical has to be done in the very what, near future. What is the critical thing that needs to be done? Who needs to do that thing? Why should we accept this apathy? I mean, or, 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 or lackadaisical approach to addressing what clearly then become national interest issues that cannot be delayed. Why should South Africans just move on? And I'm asking this in anticipation, hopefully, that some of these answers will be addressed tomorrow as the political parties enter into the domain of engaging the president directly. And for those of you who do want to participate, of course, I just remind you that you may please call 86 2032 here on SAFM Song as on the Dow with Musavuiswaramakuba, who is the team leader at Rise Mzanzi. It's a national campaign for South Africa 2.0, essentially 28 years, 29 years this year into our freedom and democracy. There are probably more questions about whether or not this democracy is becoming what it was envisaged to be than it actually is. And the state of the nation is now the entry point for us to breathe light into whether or not South Africa is the country that you as an individual are happy and proud of. If the events of just this last weekend are anything to go by, it just creates more and more questions. We can't just talk about lawlessness without giving it a face, without giving it an experience. We can't talk about destitution and poverty and the national crisis that has become ESCOM. People simply cannot arrange their affairs in the dark, in every sense. Voice, let, let's talk about the obvious thing, yes. ESCOM. Do you feel that it was adequately addressed to the extent that it was? Is that then a solution to this quagmire we find ourselves in? So absolutely not, Songezo. Um, and again, to, to echo the sentiments that have been shared by many quarters of society, be it the business community, you know, civic associations, the idea that the solution to, to, to some of our challenges involves things like establishing another minister or ministry, uh, a minister of electricity. It just demonstrates that there's an obvious just lack of ideas, um, number one. But number two, there is evidently a crisis of leadership within the governing party. Uh, we currently have two ministries that have l some level of oversight um, and, and influence on 
the energy crisis and on providing solutions to the energy crisis. Yeah. And there, of course, I'm referring to Department of Minerals, Resources and Energy and uh, Department of Public Enterprises. We have two whole ministers that are currently allocated towards this problem. Departments, we have a yeah, board, sure. Yeah, we've got two, and we've got a board of directors sitting at ESCOM full of highly competent individuals. Um, and we have uh, task teams and technical teams that have been established. Of course, we, you know, we, we also have a CEO. We have an executive leadership team of ESCOM. So our issue is not one of warm bodies. And I, would, I think it's, it's frightening that that becomes, you know, one of the kind of silver bullet solutions that's presented to us as a nation and we are supposed to accept that. Number two is the question around the, the or the, the, the suggestion around the national state of disaster. And while on some level I'm sympathetic to, to the, you know, the, 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 the desire to want to create a regulatory framework that will expedite, you know, whatever approvals may be required. Um, <clears throat> again, it points to a systemic challenge. Why do we need to declare a whole national state of disaster to do the work that government is already supposed to be doing in the first place? It's a tacit admission, actually, by the president that the government is fundamentally incapable of doing its job outside of a special regulatory dispensation called the National State of Disaster. Some strong words being proffered here by Ms. Vuiswara Mahuba. What are your thoughts on what she has said? It's a tacit admission by the president that the state is incapable of doing what the state is otherwise supposed to do. And that is, of course, the or a comment made in relation to the imposition of the national state of the disaster. 2021, we're taking an ad break now. Hopefully the calls will be teeming with your views from the many homes of South Africans and even those abroad here on SFM Viewpoint. Please stay tuned and we return after this break. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. SAFM, The Viewpoint 2023 is the time we have the national campaign leader of the organization Rise Mzanzi, Ms. Vuiswara Mahuba, here to engage now that we can anticipate what the Democratic Alliance, the EFF, the IFP, the Patriotic Alliance, the Freedom Front, Holomisa representing UDM and the many political parties represented in national parliament. Tomorrow is the debate of the State of the Nation Address. Just before the ad break, you mentioned something which was quite important, and that is the declaration of the national state of disaster. Now, the last time we had that dispensation, we know exactly what happened. A lot of government funds, even to this day, remain unaccounted for because it effectively suspends the ordinary rules of state purchasing. In other words, it suspends the ordinary rules of public procurement. I heard the president in response to that concern around the potential looting that this presents saying, open quote, there is going to be no looting. Do you believe that? Does that resonate with you? Do you believe in a state of national disaster declared under this administration, knowing just what happened three years ago, that there will be no looting? Vuiso? A short answer, obviously not, because the president would have to answer what systemically or procedurally has changed in our procurement environment that would mitigate against that risk. Him simply saying there will be no looting is just not good enough. Mm. But I want to come back actually to something you've just done and you said it in your intro. You, you referenced the many political parties that are going to be making 
their responses to the president um, and to the SONA. And I think that's something that we also need to touch on because the, the problem that we, we are facing right now is not simply, uh, it is largely an ANC problem, but I think it is also a, 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 a function of the, the inability of even the opposition parties and the other parties who, who call themselves sort of opposition parties mm-hmm. to, to provide the kind of solutions that South Africans are looking for to take this country forward. So when I speak about a crisis of leadership or a lack of capability, on the one hand, of course, it's government. But on the other hand, the caliber and the quality of political leadership that we have overall is failing us as a country. And you mentioned something earlier. You said, what what are we to do as South Africans? How do we as the citizens respond to this crisis? And I think, number one, as a call to action, you know, I think we can no longer, as citizens of this country, treat politics like a spectator sport. It is not a spectator sport. It is something that each of us, each and every one of us, has a responsibility to to get involved in in some shape or form and to hold our political leadership accountable. And I think that's going to be the biggest um, existential crisis that we face, actually, as a country, is how do we fundamentally review the political system and how do we fundamentally, um, you know, how do we elect leaders that are capable of doing the job? One of my colleagues actually loves to say that, unfortunately, we find ourselves in a scenario where uh, the, the most willing are the least capable. <laughs> and the most capable are unfortunately but the least willing. But there's a point behind that. The political milieu is not inviting. I've got KG and Mike and Babungonde on the phone. These are our loyal listeners. They can always engage the matters of public affairs that the nation is grappling with. And they know how to articulate between problem and solution. You would find that if you offered me their CV against the incumbents, there would be streets ahead, majority of them. But you will be very hard-pressed to find, and I'm going to go to them now, KGM, Mike, or Ubabungonde, offering themselves in this political environment to preside over some of the democratic work that really still needs to take place. I'm actually inviting them to answer first up, yes or no, KGM, from the free state somewhere. Would you be willing to take up a government position against what has been said by Usis Vuisoya? Good evening, KGM. KGM on the line. Hello? Yes, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can now. Good evening. Welcome to SAFM. Do you want to answer my question first and then you go on to your substantive contribution? Um, good evening to your guest and to my fellow listeners. Look, I, I wouldn't, Songhezo, not under the, the current political structure. I think systematically it, it was not meant to benefit us. It doesn't matter whether you put me, you, or there. Uh, or anybody there, um, the system itself will will fail us. I think if we are to come up with our own system, then we can start talking, uh, not just us that you mentioned, many, many other South Africans that are way more than capable that can take over. Yeah, go for it. Yes. Um, Look, we've offered solutions. I mean, uh, President, I hope, I wish you could be listening. Uh, if you remember, uh, Songhezo, there's a project that I presented of the new city in the, in the Eastern Cape. I went out of the country, raised funds for the project. Politicians, because they were not going to benefit out of it, they had to mess it up. 
Now, the president included, he, he is not credible to be saying the things that he says. If you come and, and take over as a president, regardless of what political party, on a ticket of clean governance, and you are found wanting like our president has, and, and this has got nothing to do with politicking. I'm not a politician. Neither do I support the system. The, the honorable thing to do is for somebody like him to, to come out and say, here I am, this is what I'm about, and this is how things are going to be, and mean that. Now, politicians lie for a living. They come, they say what they, they, they know we would like to hear, and they do the exact opposite. My parting shot with the solution is this. Mm. South Africans, I've said this on a number of occasions, we can talk day in, day out. If we are not going to realize that there's a need for revolution, not a political revolution, perhaps a business revolution or a socio-economic revolution, that is led by us. And take out politicians and people who have been given a chance to lead and give them new thoughts the new ideas, the new energy, a chance to to continue. I think South Africa will will have somewhere to go. Songyazo, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Thank you so much, KGM. And Mike in Newlands, your response to my question, would you take up a government position before you go on to your substantive contribution? Good evening. Welcome to SFM again. Yes, hi. Certainly. Well, I certainly would if it was a DA government, of course. Um, but if it was any other government, no, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, what, I, what I always find so annoying, though, just on the subject, is the fact that we constantly told what a difficult job everybody in government has, and particularly our president, when in fact I ran my own business for 35 years with up to 200 people, and I never had a moment's trouble, because you know why? I didn't steal any money, I didn't steal the staff's money, and I always ran the business with honesty. And that's all we need. Anybody can run a country. It's easy, but you've just got to be honest. Um, on to my question to your, mm. to your very well this uh, guest. I must say I'm so enjoying her, her comments, uh, and I quite agree with her. We need to all get involved to save us, save this country. It's not a, uh, as she says, it's not, it's a sport. It's not a sport. We need to participate. Um, you know, I want to just put it to her that, in fact, when it all boils down to one thing, and that's the ideology of the ANC. Mm. You know, uh, just talking about jobs, I bought uh, in a 200 million rand, sorry, 200 jobs and 100 million rand. I was offered, I had it in writing, uh, from a, a Swiss and German-based company. I was turned down. I contacted Jackson and Timber, the late Jackson and Timber at the time, and spoke directly with him, and he gave me the finger. He didn't even want to be interested in it because it didn't suit the ANC ideology because the, com- the company wanted to guarantee that their land would not be expropriated. He was unable to do that. As I speak to you now, um, our ideology has put a Russian warship, can you believe this, Songyazo, in our harbor here in Cape Town. I nearly fell off my motorcycle this afternoon. There's this Russian destroyer with a big Z on the, on the funnel, which indicates that this ship is involved in the, in the war against Ukraine, the attacking of Ukraine. What, what country, and then how this for complete madness of an ideology? We do about 7 billion rands worth of trade with Russia over a year. We do 700 billion rands with Europe and the United States. And we have just given Europe and the United States the biggest finger ever. And we are desperately looking for jobs. We don't want to, we're going to lose more jobs. We're going to threaten our goal arrangement, which is very beneficial to us from America. And of course, we're just going to go on to the gray list. What madness is this ideology? But this ideology is what is driving the ANC. And no matter what comes along, whatever President Ramaphosa says tomorrow, at the end of the day, 
it means absolutely nothing because he's Got stuck you. to his ideology and he will just be corrupted. And, and there is no way out other than to vote them out. No more debate. I've got you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you for calling, Mike. Let's take the last caller before we have the final response, which will be the wrap-up from Sisvuizwa. Babu Ngonde in Cape Town this time. Hi there. Mm. How are you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Are you going to take up a position Good. in government? Um, I wish it was 1990, 1992. I'm old now, you know, and I've got issues. You think, that, you think that's a disqualifier in this, co- in, in this government? <laughs> In this government, I'm sorry, Songe, so I'm old and tired of nonsense of politics. And I've got trust issues, and I've got honesty, deficits, all those, all those things. Okay. Songe, so if you were to ask me this honestly, in 92, they're about. I remember in one company in Cape Town, there were just three of us, main players. We formed what is what I called Consent Group of Southerners, with Southern Life Company, it was myself, Vincent Musewe from Zimbabwe, Kanemutsapi from Botswana. The trip of Katiers changed the landscape of my life, and I was there. Now, I don't want to pray about it. So, so the thing is, man, as a person, you feel comfortable if those around you, right, have got a similar or more intellect, right? Mm. In other words, mm. intellectual capacity for me means everything, right? Then there are those things, again, of trust, honesty, blah, 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 blah. But I'm afraid, man, to expect me to be in government, I would say thank you very much. Now, back to the issue. The president, Songhezo, I will give him 10 out of 10, right? Not on the content, right, but on the delivery. Because he spoke nice English. For that, it will be 10 out of 10. Content? But if you would ask me about the content and substantive issues, so I'm afraid 2 out of 10, which is the failure, right? For instance, one issue to me, national state of disaster, right? Immediately you talk about those things in the South African context. What we have in our mind is, oh my good grief, their hyenas again will pounce, mm. right? Immediately you mention those things, Songhezo. We think of corruption, right? And we don't all know those people, maybe we do, right? But they are waiting in the wings. Remember, Songhezo, if you do that, it goes without saying there will be corruption. And with this Minister of Electricity in his cabinet, I'm, I was almost impressed, but I'm not, right? Because he did not, to me, clarify in detail. For instance, I know that Manchanti, Manchanti or whatever, the spokesperson, will normally mention where the trip in Kusile, in Medupi, in Kenya, in Nyanyanya, all the stations. <laughs> I would have thought the president would give detail about each and every one of those stations, right? And will then have told us that the new Minister of Electricity will be in charge of those stations on a daily basis, right? Because on the truth, we told, you know it, in 1998, the government was told, right? The capacity of what we've got in ESCOM will not be enough for the 
growing population. Let me hold it there, Babungonde, because I'm only seriously out of time. I do need to give Usis Fuiso an opportunity to respond. And you're absolutely right, substantively. I mean, there's very little takeaway from this. Certainly, if you were to do a a turn it in of previous speeches, there's much of the same sentiment here as the ones in the previous five. Same old thing, same old thing. Ms. Fuiswa, you've heard three very eloquent gentlemen who would not in the least be interested to participate in the governance framework because the environment is not sufficiently conducive and or inviting. Your parting shot against what they have said and what you know. Three things. Hmm? Number one, exercising your political agency does not mean necessarily having a job in government. And I think that's a very important thing to say, that each and every one of us as South Africans have a role to play in holding our public uh, representatives accountable. And we can do that within our various companies, our organizations, whatever it may be. There are numerous business and professional organizations. There are numerous civic movements. What is missing is organizing all of that and driving in a single direction to make the change that is required. So what I want to put to your, 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 your learned listeners is that you are already part of the change. No one is coming to save us. Let's just, let's just accept that. There's no Superman who's coming to save this country. Every single person who has phoned in today has a responsibility to apply their minds to how they are going to be part of the change they want to see. And the first step, as one of your callers raised, is 2024. How are we going to use the one mechanism that we have, at least that one mechanism called the vote, to exercise that agency that we have. That's number one. So we we must show up in our numbers at the ballot. We must make our voices heard. And we must rise to the challenges of leadership as and when those opportunities present themselves because we cannot outsource our political leadership to the least capable and the most willing anymore. Um, And then lastly, I want to just say that, you know, I, I think just listening to what the callers are saying, we are all feeling the same thing. I encourage them to, to, to jump on our website and join a collective of active citizens, people who are trying to make the change, people who want to rise for, for electricity, rise for decent housing, rise for human rights, rise for constitutionality. We want to rise to fix this country with other South Africans who are capable and willing. And we're a platform that is, that is inviting other South Africans to join us in this journey of fixing this country. But 2024, unfortunately, is the first stop in that ride. And there's no getting away from it. So I invite your colleagues, your learned callers, and yourself to Songhezo to join us on this journey. So the call is for you to rise to the challenge by participating on Rise Mzansi. That's the national campaign team member thereof, Ms. Vuiswa Ramakoba, offering her perspectives on her takeaway, together with the varied responses to it, representing the views of South Africans. The time is 2040. We say thanks to her. And after the break, we talk to a very good friend of the show, Mr. Ross Falk, Managing Director of MSC Cruises. You probably want to listen to this conversation if cruising is your thing, more especially if you have never been on one. 2040 is the time. After this, Ross Falk. In order to be better, we need to tell the story of the past.